everyone, it's Yvette, your favorite Bruja from Lesser Known Coven. And I'm Brian, your favorite Bruja Yvette's co-host. And we don't, don't know, know shit, shit about, about comics. comics. It's literally in our name, like shit. Don't feel bad for not knowing anything about comics. Aw, we have the best guests. Yvette, please, you've had one too many White Claws. God, people are going to think I'm a drunk. This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Yeah, I've had the same experience taking nudes myself. Learn with us. You know, I actually just heard that term recently, California sober. I was like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, it's like you don't do your drug of choice, but you still take pills. Teach us. That's where my cocaine habit came from, yes. We'll just show up for the party. I've got a pull list too, but it's on Pornhub. Probably a different thing. I don't know, man. Fetishes or fetishes, right? This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian and Yvette. All right, welcome to the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast, the podcast about comics hosted by two people who don't know shit about them. I'm Brian, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Yvette. Hello, Yvette. Hello, everyone. And we had the privilege of speaking with three different people, a panel, if you will, we had Luis from Limited Edition Comics and Collectibles, Alex Schumacher, who is the creator of Mr. Butterchips, the coolest monkey anyone will read about in sequential art form, and Anthony Onesta, photographer, artist, and all-around lovely human being. And actually, Mark and I go way back with Anthony. He's a, he's a good friend from, uh, from the days of old. But, good hugger. Uh, good hugger. He's, he is a great hugger. That, that's... <laughs> That's, you know, something that uh, people look past too, far too often, in my opinion. So, Yvette, what did what, you think about the interview with these three hooligans? It was definitely an interesting panel to have, just the different perspectives from people in the industry. You know, we had a manager from uh, the comic book store, you know, featuring our comics for free comic book day. Then we had Alex, who is featured in the back of our comics. So, he's kind of been a collaborator of ours since the inception of the comics. And then we had Anthony, who is the comic adjacent with his photography and then just, you know, super into comics and zine enthusiasts. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, definitely. And I was I was listening to this episode the other day and Mr. Schumacher, he has merch with Mr. Butterchips on it. And I believe Mark has a mug with Mr. Butterchips just giving the finger to him, which is fantastic. And I definitely wish I had one as well. My wife loves that mug. We should have a mug with you giving people the birds. So I think that'll sell for sure. You know what would be great? I worked at a flower shop and started the day. You grab a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. So I grabbed what I thought was like a white, just a regular white cup for the coffee in it. But I didn't know. On the other side of what I could see was like a Chippendales type of dancer, dude. But then once you put the hot coffee in, like his clothes disappear. Come off. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm just sitting there. It's like one of my first days like at work. And I'm just drinking and everyone's just laughing at me. And I'm like holding this thing. And I have no idea that there's just like a dude's dick just hanging out <laughs> on the other where, side. Where of did you mug. get this mug? It was just, well, I work with all 40 year old women. So the, the mug was just one of the, like, you know, like oh, they have mugs in the office kitchen, you know? So it's just like, 
I'm just sitting there. I had no clue. I just grabbed what I thought was a white mug. I didn't even look at the back of it. I, I've met, I met those women a few times. I feel, I thought they were so much more wholesome. <laughs> oh, hell no. One of them was telling me how much coke she did on the Nixon campaign. I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I was a like, campaign staffer for Nixon. And I did a lot of coke. <laughs> that's my kind of grandma. Yeah, that's, that's a hell of a story. I feel like anyone who's uh, involved in the Nixon campaign probably has some kind of story like that. <laughs> yeah. But enough about swinging dicks and doing coke on the Nixon campaign. Without further ado, here's the episode. Did you forget to wear deodorant today? No, it's my new body spray by Lesser Known Comics. Do you read comics and also want to smell like your favorite thing? I was really sick of getting out of the shower and no longer smelling like all the things that I love, like cat hair and jalapeno poppers. Lesser Known Comics body spray is available in the following flavors. Wild Jerry, Jägermeister, Nacho Cheese, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Cobra Red, Quarantine, Imaginary Girlfriend. Wait, ew, why are they flavored? Also comes in new scents for women to include fear, regret, shame, spandex sweat, and crippling self-doubt. Cool smell, Barbara. Uh, thanks, I guess. Doubles as a food additive, an explosive diuretic. I've lost like 20 pounds since spraying my food with lesser known comics body spray. Causes irreversible damage to the liver, kidneys, bladder, heart, and colon. Users have reported feelings of inescapable paranoia, being chased by shadow monsters, and the need to barricade oneself in their mother's basement. Lesser known comics body spray is not intended for use as contraceptive, personal lubricant, fair mace, or protection against chlamydia, which is not a flower. Lesser known comics body spray. Smell aggressively. <laughs> Welcome to the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast, the podcast about comics, hosted by two people who don't know shit about them. I'm Brian, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Yvette. Hello, Yvette. Hello. She doesn't seem that excited. That's okay. <laughs> we also have uh, an old friend of mine and Mark's, uh, Anthony Onesta. He's an artist out of Oakland, California. And we also have Alex Schumacher with us tonight. He's a cartoonist out of Los Altos, California. He does a comic called Mr. Butterchips. And then our third guest tonight is Lewis. He's in Texas and he manages limited comics and collectibles. So that's our panel for tonight. Let's start with Alex. How did you come up with Mr. Butterchips? He's, he's kind of like the X-rated monkey. He, uh, <laughs> he does everything that we want to do, but can't. Yeah, he's like the anti-curious George. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so he was actually initially part of an ensemble cast of characters that i was developing for a syndicated comic strip because that was my initial objective with cartooning is to have a comic in the newspaper very naive in my 20s believing that would still be a viable form (laughs) like print would stick around (laughs) so i was i was developing that strip and there were probably five or six characters in there, but he was the only one who really kind of stuck around in the back of my mind as being some compelling character that I wanted to do something with later on. So when given the opportunity uh, by an online magazine called Drunk Monkeys, uh, starting in 2016, that's exactly what I did. Nice. And you said that you were interested in making a, creating a comic strip for a newspaper. We all know the difference between a comic book and a comic strip, but why did you lean towards the comic strip rather than comic books initially? Because I'm old. So when I was a kid, that seemed like a really cool thing to try and aspire to be. Uh, My grandparents gave me this gargantuan collection called the Smithsonian Collection of Newspaper Comic Strips. So it had all of the classics in there, you know, starting with 
what's widely considered to be the first comic called the yellow kid all the way through i think the collection stopped somewhere in the mid 80s so you had schultz and pogo and you know dick tracy all, all those things oh yeah so i kind of grew up pouring over that and thought well that would be kind of a cool vocation if you just get to wake up draw one of these every day and you know then go back to sleep so totally. uh, yeah little did i know <laughs> that print circulation would take a nosedive as I was trying to get into the industry. So kind of had to cut my losses and, and go into comic books. Right on. Lewis, you are uh, in Texas. I yes. got a question for you. You're, you're surrounded mm -hmm. by, I mean, Mark and I are in Virginia, but you know, we were born and raised in uh, the Bay area. We got Anthony in Oakland. We got Alex in the South Bay and Yvette's in Long Beach. Are too many Californians moving to Texas? I think too many people are moving to Texas. It's getting crowded. <laughs> it's hot enough as it is without more people coming in. So what's your favorite part about running a comic shop and working in the comic book business? I want to say the people, but honestly, it's getting to read everything days before everyone else. Uh, it really gives you a superiority complex when you know what happens at night. Yeah, just by the way, um, Brian, I think, you know, you pronounce it Luis, uh, not Lewis. So come on now. Is that true? That is correct. Uh, but I'm going to it. Get it together. I'm so white. Put some respect <laughs> on his name. <laughs> See, I grew up in Salinas, but I didn't want to say anything because you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to place the blame on our producer for not giving me the correct pronunciation but we move on Luis how long have you been working at limited comics and collectibles I've been there for just over two years and was this your first job working in comics it's my first job in comics I only really started reading uh around 2013 on a regular I've picked up stuff here and there and you know comic strips which are you know their own art form that is revered by everyone to give Alex a little bit of credit. So I've read, you know, I hate Calvin them. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't only, it was, it's only been the last maybe seven, eight years that I've been reading regularly. And it just skyrocketed once I actually got uh, a job in the industry. They had a job opening and I went in and I guess they knew that I knew my stuff. So yeah, they, they gave me a shot. Right on. Well, last but not least, Anthony. Yes, sir. Um, we have spent many a drunken times together in the past. We have. <laughs> I'm still trying to forget about them, but uh, I'm looking at your Instagram. You do a lot of art and photography. And where does all that overlap with comics? I just honestly love every single art form there is. And one of my, and some of my favorite parts about comics are kind of like looking at the landscape spread to see how those are drawn and to see how those fit within the storyline. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at portraits. I wish I was better at portraits, but I'm, I'm not a good <laughs> portrait photographer whatsoever. Actually, I was offered to take some photos for a band here in San Francisco. And I had to tell them I'm not good at portraits, but I can't give it a shot anyways. And then they never contacted me again. <laughs> so, so I love landscape photography. So I always, I always look for the, for, for the landscapes within comics. My favorite part about Anthony's photography is that you, you take, pictures of some pretty dumpy places i love uh, shit and if it, it looks like shit i'm gonna take a photo of it and it makes you want to like be there 
And you're like, yeah. why, why is this picture drawing me to a place that's so absolutely terrible? Abandoned parking lot with just like broken down cars in it. I'm currently looking at a picture of, it looks like maybe a 1985 Toyota Camry blue in front of a, a shitty sound wall. Where is that? Hmm. Uh, that I, is I, your Instagram, sir. <laughs> I know. I Yeah, I, I believe you. Pictures. No, he probably takes so many pictures. Like, you know, he's he's not going to remember. You're right. I'm not. I, I, I have I have th- I have 313 posts on my Instagram right now. And I actually deleted about 1500 recently. Not <laughs> not that long ago and kind of started fresh. So what kind I, of, uh, camera are you using? I use so many different cameras. Um, most all of them are film cameras. So I don't really shoot digital that that often. I'm terrible with computers. I'm actually surprised I got here on this Zoom meeting. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, really bad. So I love film because I don't have to really think about it in Photoshop. Like I could do it in the dark room. That, that's, a lot, that's a lot of fun and develop it. That's a lot of fun too. I, I like film for that reason. So I use a lot of different film cameras. I have many, but there's usually like one that I that I shoot the most. Like I like this Nikon, this little Nikon camera. A lot of my recent photos were taken with this. Super cool. Let's be real though. The reason that you like using film is because you huff those chemicals in the, uh, the dark room. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yep. That you, you caught me. Anthony, tell me about a photo that you shot that you thought was going to be amazing and uh, just, just did not turn out the way you hoped. That has happened quite a few times, especially with film where you're like somewhere across the country and you're like, oh, I'm going to take all of these photos are going to turn out to be so great. And then you get home and develop them and you're like, shit, well, they suck and I can't go retake it. So that's that's the one of the problems with with that. But um, there was one that was down the street. It was this truck. It was like in front of the the Fruitvale BART station and it was totally just roached out. No tires whatsoever. And it was just in the parking lot by itself. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And I had my medium format camera and I was really excited to take it. And I overexposed the entire roll or the all of those frames that I shot. Um, and I got home and I was, was super bummed. And then I went back and it wasn't there anymore. So. Yeah, I've had the same experience taking nudes of myself. They just don't look as good as I think they will. Yeah, you no. keep using flash. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. I got another question for Alex. Mr. Butterchips, that character, was he inspired by someone you know or something inside you or... Why do you resonate with this character so much? And it's fucking awesome. I feel like the merch on this thing, you don't even have to like make comics. I would just wear t-shirts with the monkey, like flipping me off. I wish I had known that before I started making the comics. <laughs> um, that could be the tagline too. The, uh, what was it? The middle <laughs> fingers bring, bring people closer together. Yeah, right, right. I want that shirt. <laughs> it's actually a good idea. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like any any kind of artist or, you know, filmmaker, cartoonist, I think when you develop characters or create characters, they all have some part of you infused in them. And Mr. Butterchips was just sort of my id let off the leash. And he just kind of says whatever comes to mind. And uh, then after the election, I, I don't want to go too into politics because I don't know how everybody uh, skewed. <laughs> But after the election of uh, 2016, uh, he kind of took a hard pivot into pushing back against, you know, intolerance and 
white supremacy and, you know, all of the things that the previous administration became known for. You would have hated that troll's profile. <laughs> the guy oh, see, that's the thing is <laughs> that comic was inspired because I learned my lesson some time ago not to comment. Even, even if you have a comment that you think is so incredibly sharp that nobody could possibly have a comeback, somebody's going to have a fucking comeback. So it's best just to you know, just to steer clear of the comment section. And then I write a comic about it. Cause even if people want to, you know, speak ill of my comics online, at least the comic has already said my piece. So I'm not having to argue with people about that necessarily, but yeah, Butterships is definitely, I think a part of me and became a really incredible vehicle for, you know, the aggravation and, frustration that, that I had felt over the last, you know, four or five years and people that seem to resonate with people. And where did his name come from? So, you know, it's funny because not a lot of people ask that. And I always get surprised like, <laughs> are people just accepting that this is his name. So first of all, you know, when you put Mr. In front of any companion animal's name, it's inherently funny. Mr. Something like you're giving them some sort of dignified title and it's a, you know, flea bitten little monkey. And then butter chips is my mom's favorite type of pickles. Oh, nice. Mine too. That was all the thought behind it. That was it. (laughs) That's right on. Yeah. I like it. And because it also sounds kind of cute. Right. And then you actually read the comic and find out about the character and, and it's kind of, you know, antithetical, (laughs) (laughs) which I think provides some comedy as well. Totally. And so you have the Mr. Butterchips character. Are you working on anything else or is that your main focus? That's my main focus right now, as far as what's actually out in the world. Uh, I did have a webcomic called Decades of Inexperience, which is a little bit more semi-autobiographical. That was around from 2015 through January of this year. And I'm working with that publisher to put out a collection. So hopefully I'll have some news on that. And then my literary agent is shopping a graphic novel right now to the publishers. So hopefully I'll hear something on that soon. Well, you'll have to uh, keep us posted on that. Sure. You'll see me shouting it all over social media. <laughs> if it gets picked up. Well, you can come shout it on the about. podcast again too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Luis, what's a cool comic that you've picked up lately. That's kind of new and not a lot of people have heard about that. You're kind of hot on right now. It's <laughs> of course um i think right now i mean you know we say indie and when you say image it's like well is it really indie not really right because they're a giant company as well but um i've been pushing ultra mega by james heron written and drawn pretty hard it's like a kaiju comic but it's not really about kaiju i'm not really a kaiju guy myself uh but it really just surprised me with his he does a lot of stuff with like just the way he sets panels that I was really, I was really drawn to it. And I've been trying to push that on people. And it's always a shame when you know, there's something good here that people just aren't interested in. And it's like, I want to keep ordering more, you know, I want to make sure that this sells because I want this series to keep going. And it looks like a Kaiju book. So non-Kaiju fans don't pick it up. Well, I got a question. This, this show is called, I don't know shit about comics because Yvette and I are, we don't know shit about normals. Comics. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, is that what we're so, called? Normies? I don't know. <laughs> so what What's is normal? Uh, what is kaiju? Giant monsters like Godzilla. Oh, it's like a Godzilla. Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a generic blanket term for there. There's different denominations for them, I guess. 
um, you can count like, I don't know, there, there's a lot of arguments, but the easiest one is just, it's Godzilla. Godzilla is a kaiju. Big monsters are kaiju, essentially. Okay, and kaiju, what does that mean? Or is that just no one knows? <laughs> uh, Big monsters Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much deeper it goes than that. All right. Luis, was there like any time where, you know, you were managing the shop and somebody comes to you and it's like, this is such a great comic, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, no one else thinks it's cool. You kind of get into it and you're like, man, this kind of sucks. Sometimes. Does that, that happen happened. often? Yeah. Not often, but I mean, like with everything, 30% of it is great. 50% of it is okay. And there's that little percent at the bottom that's not so great. But it, it, it honestly just, I think, I think comics are a very passionate community and the creators are equally passionate, maybe because we're so much smaller now than we were in the, the 50s and the 60s and the 40s and such. But it tends to be, most comics are at least okay, which is nice when you want people to pick up things and hopefully they connect and enjoy them. We talked to a, a comic book store owner from grand rapids michigan the other night and he said that the most popular most bought comic book at his store by far is always batman is it the same case where you are or what's <laughs> what's the most popular title there it's batman it's hands really? down maybe in terms in terms of subscriptions batman right now is maybe third only because last Ronin, uh, you know, because of TMNT and Berserker right now, it's really, really hyped. But in terms of sheer characters, there's like a dozen Batman titles. So Batman kind of outsells pretty much everything else. And what's what's the runner up? I guess I guess. Yeah. TMNT last Ronin. I, I something like 40, 45 percent of our pull members are pulling TMNT last Ronin. Um. So that's, uh, it's, it's big for sure. You're talking about customers that have like a, a pull list with the uh, comic book store. Yes. So I'm curious, do you guys take a look at what they're into and then try to introduce them to new titles that you think they would also be into? And maybe that adds to their pull list. How does all that work? When there's a follow-up series to something, will automatically pull it for them. So for example, um, there's no Avengers title right now because Heroes Are Born is happening. So we automatically pulled the number one for them because it's the continuation of the story. Or um, Maestro got a second series also by Peter David. So we just pulled that one for them. But when we know that there's something they want, most poll members swing by at least once a month. When we know there's something they want or they like, we try and recommend them and say, hey, we check this out. It's written by this guy that you've been picking up. You might like that. Or this character appears in this series. Make sure to pick that up for sure. Um, and it's always very gratifying when they do actually listen, pick it up, and then they come back the next week and they're like, oh, man, this was really great. I really like this. Add that to my pull list. So We've been talking to a lot of different 
indie comic creators lately. And people have referred to this time as the golden age for comics and or at least indie comics. Do you get a lot of indie comic creators coming into your store and trying to show you their comics and uh, see if you want to put them on your shelves? Is that a pretty does that happen pretty often? We don't have um, the market in South Texas doesn't have too many creators. So we haven't really had um, people with actual like published books or printed books. We've had a couple of people who want to put um, their self-made cartoons and stuff. And we take a look at them and, you know, it's, it's normally one guy who's drawing on graph paper or on just sheets of paper folded together. Um, so we, we don't have very very many but the indie market is very heavily pulled it's something like a quarter of every book uh is an independent title whether it's image um boom studios is getting really big dynamite black mask all of the small boombox i think had a new title this past week um so it's 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 a mecca for indie titles right now absolutely i've got a pull list too but it's on pornhub probably a different thing i don't know man fetishes or fetishes right <laughs> i guess so yeah i mean Golly, don't feed him don't <laughs> don't i wanted this podcast to be exclusively on only fans well that was my pitch because i mean we've got a vet here i thought maybe we could get some some you know extra fans hr hr <laughs> i mean speaking of fetishes have we talked about our feet <sighs> I'm just kidding. Alex. Um, <laughs> Quite the transition. I have no clue where this is going to go. Alex, he, got, so he got in trouble a couple, we- a couple weeks ago for a feet comment. Yeah. So Alex, he got just uh, waiting for the payout. What, what, what type of feet are you into? No, I'm just oh, okay. kidding. Uh, <laughs> That's my question. I was going to think about it. Hobbit. I thought you were going to Yvette, Brian. I was. But uh, Alex, do you think that this is indeed the golden age for indie comics right now? Honestly, I think it's just kind of a golden age for comics in general. You know, the traditional publishers all have imprints now. And I mean, they're mostly releasing titles that are sort of, you know, geared towards younger children or, you know, middle grade. But, you know, they're, especially in the North American market, for the longest time, you say comic books to somebody and automatically they think superhero. And so that mindset is now starting to shift because anywhere else, that has adopted the art form, you know, France, Japan, the, you know, comics is just as venerable of an art form as film or novels or, you know, anything like that. And North America, where the art form was birthed, somehow got into this weird holding pattern of thinking that it's all disposable entertainment for children, which it's not. So I think with the traditional publishers realizing the validity of the art form, we have kind of entered I don't know if golden age <laughs> necessarily, but <laughs> I, I certainly think it's more respected and more widely read now than it has been, you know, probably since like Luis was saying, probably since the sixties or seventies. So I definitely think there's, there's that shift happening, which is great. A lot of people are drawing digital now and, you know, drawing mm-hmm. on an iPad or whatever, but a lot of people do believe that something is lost from putting the pen to paper and getting some of those textures and stuff. What do you use to draw? And what do you think about digital to pen to paper? Like Anthony, I'm a, I'm an analog guy in a digital world. So I'm 
I'm still drawing traditionally. Um, 100%. There's always, yeah. And, you know, for me, I don't honestly know if it's that perceptible of a difference in the actual printed book because everything is reduced so much that, you know, I don't think that it's a huge difference. Not for me anyway, but there's, there is some disconnect when you're using, you know, an iPad or a screen as opposed to feeling that pen drag across the paper. There's something intimate for me about the creation in, in that regard and that I can't seem to replicate with digital means. So I think things like Photoshop and uh, Cintiqs and iPad Pros, the tools that digital artists use have advanced so much that it can mimic a lot of the tools like crow quills or brushes to a, a pretty effective degree. But I, yeah, I, I do think it tends to come out a little bit more perfect, which a little bit of that feeling is lost. I think the, because when you draw, it's not perfect. You know, we're, we're people, <laughs> we're not perfect. And so when you have these comics being produced where every line is exactly the same diameter and there's absolutely no, you know, deviations uh, it, for me, you know, as a, a you know, cartoonist looking at comics, I think there is a difference, but for the average reader, I don't think there is. Yeah. Because when you're drawing like something, yeah. Well, I mean, cause I'm thinking about it and like when you're drawing a character and you make a, you make a line where you were like, ah, oh, I didn't want that exactly right there. Since you're doing Every pen to paper. Minutes. Yeah. You don't, you don't throw it out, but you kind of like make it work. Right. I mean, it depends on how many of those clans <laughs> I end up laying down, <laughs> but yeah, typically, I mean, I'm still really old school because I like the look that I'll still use white correction paint to cover a mistake as opposed to just cleaning up in Photoshop, which you could do very easily as well. Mm -hmm. And I do that to some degree, you know, wayward smudges and things. I'll, I'll still use Photoshop to clean that up. Uh, but I still like the idea of at some point, my original artwork hanging somewhere, if not, you know, in a collector's house, maybe in like the cartoon art museum in San Francisco. And for me as an aspiring cartoonist, when I would, when I was visiting those places in my twenties, there was something about seeing the imperfections that made it more accessible and made me feel as though maybe it was something I could do. Cause clearly if the pros mess up this much, then, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as terrible of a cartoonist as I think, because all we see are the finished product and the finished product is always, you know, for lack of a better term, perfectly done. And I don't think, the average reader understands that that's not how it comes out initially. There's a lot there's of work a, that goes into make it look like that. There's a texture that I think too, with, with an analog form that's, that's lost when, when it's done digitally. Um, you know, when you're at a museum, you're, you're seeing a painting or you're seeing, you're seeing a drawing or some type of artwork, you know, for me personally, I like to get up close as, as close as they allow me to at least and look at the texture. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite things about it. Rub your face on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. See if I can get rub, rub some of that good juju off on me, you know? Yeah. It didn't work for me, but I still tried no, it. I just got kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, you're not supposed to lick the paintings. I know. <laughs> So, Anthony, I know we talked about you're kind of into zines and stuff like that, but what do you think about the crossover of zines and comics like nowadays? I think I think it's I think that there is a lot of 
options and a lot of room to explore how you could integrate comics into zines. I mean, I mean, a zine is an art form in and of itself, whether it just be a text or, you know, if you're writing whatever you want a political rant or, or, you know, poem, poetry, whatever you want to do. I think that it would be, it's kind of a cool collaboration to put, to add, you know, comics into that type of form. Absolutely. A lot of creators start essentially making zines, you know, just when you're trying to get some of your work out there, they're, they're called ash cans in the mm-hmm. uh, comics community, but they're essentially just zines. And it's a great way to initially put your artwork out there. You know, you table at a convention or something and you have something to show for it. So it's, it, that's definitely a viable option, especially when you're just starting out. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, like the more homemade Xeroxed zine that I see is probably going to be the one that I'm going to gravitate towards anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think to you guys' earlier discussion about like the, the grittiness of like the unfinished, because we only have um, one artist that, um, that does digital out of our, or not digital, uh, does, you know, traditional out of, out of our crew. And um, it, it started off as a mistake when we were scanning them in the um, like you could see a little bit of the even the Photoshop blue like like bled through. And that was meant to be cut out, you know, the original bleed. And they were like, oh, like, fuck it. Like, you know, it's like the distortion or the feedback on the microphone at the beginning of a punk song. And you're just like, no, no, no. Like, that should just be there. Like, because, yeah, like, if everything's auto-tuned, you know, and uh, the guitars, you know, and drums are all perfectly synced, there's, yeah, you lose something in there. You know, you want, like... Yeah, it's not punk rock. Just, uh, yeah, it's you not. Want and when like you keep an, correcting... Uh, uh, <laughs> And when you keep correcting things, you, you lose, you know, you lose a lot of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. We had a guest on a couple nights back and I was looking at his artwork on his Instagram and he actually, uh, he had a picture of a reprint of a Martin Luther King comic that was released 30 years, like 40 years ago. Uh, and it was about some of the things that, uh, he went through and, I was I was looking at the pictures on it and it was obviously hand drawn because there were no iPads back then but I was like there was knuckle hair drawn on the like the hands and stuff and it there wasn't a doubt in my mind that it was drawn by hand you could just blatantly tell and that that's what kind of like got me thinking maybe we are losing something with uh, the digital takover Well I think some of that too if I can just interject Yeah, um, yeah. this is not an interview that... guys you guys can jump in whenever <laughs> you want <laughs> Okay I just don't want to dominate the entire conversation because I could probably easily do that. We've um, already gone over this. Too. I like to be dominated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. All right. We'll talk later too. Um, so the thing is too, in the, in the comics industry, deadlines are oftentimes set in highly unrealistic ways. So a lot of the time, some of the detail is sort of circumvented just because you have to turn pages in by a certain time. So it's the speed that's kind of required of a lot of the artists that causes that. Whereas back in the day, you know, during when there were actual studios and people were employed like an actual job, you know, you could take a little more time to actually expand that and, and work on the details. So I, I think at least in part, that's why some of that has been lost. You know, truck drivers back in like the 60s, if your car broke down on the side of the road, you would always try and flag down a truck driver because it didn't matter how fast they got to their destination. They were getting paid the same anyway. 
So like they would always right. stop and help you out. Like times have changed for the worse. <laughs> that's a perfect analogy. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's essentially how it is. So I think, you know, and, and, you know, some of the digital revolution has aided in that as well, where, you know, traditional art, art I think a lot of the people who do tr- um, digital art still love doing traditional art, but it's like that, you know, gives you three or four extra steps that digital art, you know, cuts out. And when, when you're reading a comic, Alex, do you prefer to read a digital copy or do you like to hold it in your hands and have the real copy? I mean, personally, I like the, the actual physical copy. There's this collector's mentality that I have about, I mean, not just comics, you know, novels as well. I like to have the actual books and I, I certainly see, uh, you know, the need for something like a Kindle or the benefits of a Kindle, because especially when you're traveling or you're on the go, you know, you have 250 books at your fingertips. Whereas, you know, to bring the physical ones, you'd have to bring a duffel bag or something to have that yeah. many books. Yeah. So, we've heard yeah, from personally. a lot of people that they prefer to read the digital copies, but they definitely want the hard physical copy for their collection. Interesting. I think my preference would be to read the physical copies. Luis, like, do you see that, you know, people still, you know, wanting the hard copies, you know, even if there's like digital releases out? Yeah, I 100%. I, I actually started out as a, as a digital reader. I thought, you know, I just want to read the stories, you know, like the first comic comic that I read with the intent of reading more was Old Man Logan. And I read that on an iPad. And I read digitally for years and it wasn't only maybe four years ago that I started, I mean, collecting <laughs> physical copies and there's, there's drawbacks to both, um, you know, the, the secondary market, uh, key issues, stuff like that, like that makes it hard to collect older stuff. If you want to go back and collect any original series if you want to go back and collect and read the original x-men you have to find a hardback or you have to find a masterworks and if the publisher is good enough they'll keep them in print um but if you want to i've been trying to get my hands on a uh a daredevil born again trade and the secondary market it, it raises the prices so there is convenience in the digital aspect for sure but i think um you definitely saw Man, I, I back when COVID started and comics shut down, uh, I don't know how much you guys heard about it, but there was an initiative about for, COVID. Uh, right, right when the <laughs> shutdown started, yes, um, there was an initiative that you could buy a digital copy if your retailer signed up with this program. And when comics became printed again, they would give you the physical copy. And retailers got angry, and within two days, that whole thing got abandoned. And I don't think, I don't think that would have, I think that would have been a good idea to keep, keep the industry going at least for a little bit longer because people who read physical copies, they're not going to switch to digital. And I tell people like, yeah, you can read digital for older stuff if you can't get your hands on it. But like every, every guy over 30 that I know who's been picking up comics for 10, 20, 30 years they're not going to stop. They have their pull list and they're going to keep picking up physical. And if you're a young guy and you want to just catch up on the classics, like it's an easy way to read digitally. If you can't find it in trade or you can't find it in single issues because giant size X-Men number one is $3,000, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would, uh, it would be a totally different experience. I mean, if I invited, uh, 
you know, Anthony over to my house to come check out my comic collection. And I showed him a bunch of PDF files on my computer. <laughs> I don't really think it, it has the same, uh, you know, pizzazz. Yeah. I would I would be out of the door so fast, Brian. You have no idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, kind of an I, intimate situation, though. You know, he was yeah. good close to the computer and share a cocktail. The yeah. glow from the screen. Do you guys talk about the hand on the mouse? Yeah. So, Unfortunately, so I've seen my PDFs. <laughs> Show each other your feet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunately, I have seen the files on Brian's computer and. Uh, <laughs> Now, I, you know, I think there's a weird phenomenon that, especially now where more people spend their nine to five in front of a screen, that their leisure time, instead of reading something, whether even it's, I think, you know, Kindle versus you know, like physical books and the same thing with comics, because when they re-released or when they did the Watchmen show on H- HBO and I was like, oh, it's fo- following the book, not the movie. I, so I reread it on uh, a digital version but it only took about six months before I had like a box full of physical comics because it was, hmm. you know, it's like, I'm on this, this screen all day. Like, I don't want to just keep being on this screen at the end of the day. And then, um, yeah, taking it to the, I don't know, taking, taking a book to the beach feels classier than, you know, taking, uh, <laughs> taking a, a tablet to the beach, you know, my comic book to the beach. Yeah. Well, now that it's so hot, yeah, it's I mean, a comic book, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, either way, you're not getting chicks. (laughs) You're usually not strolling up to the beach with a handful of comic books and classing up the place. (laughs) (laughs) We should do an experiment. We'll do uh, live in the field. We'll have you just post up in Long Beach reading a comic book, and we'll just see how many times a fucking stranger approaches you. But not not just like a random comic book. Like, we got to get something like, not obscure, but like, that only real comic fans know about, like something from, you know, image or, you know, something other than Marvel or DC, you know, so that he, you get the, uh, the true believers. The true, the true. I, I actually, I actually, <laughs> when I was, when, when I was doing kind of the beginning promo stuff, I did take like, I forget what it was. Um, 30 days and 30 nights or some comic book my daughter had i took it with me and we're like taking pictures you know because my daughter does photography um and we're kind of doing this promo stuff and people were just like looking at me like staring at me all weird because i'm like this you know 32 year old chick with like a kid taking pictures of me reading a comic book they're like what the hell's (laughs) going on you know but i don't know we'll try it out we had a guest on the other night who was commissioned. He, he's an artist, um, kind of specializes in like urban graffiti type art. And uh, he was commissioned by some guy online to draw these like lifestyle nude photos of some girl. And I'm wondering, Anthony, have you ever yes. been commissioned to uh, take some weird photos? No. <laughs> um, I, are you accepting weird commissions for some yeah. photos? Brand got some free. It, my, it dep- my birthday is coming up. It depends. <laughs> oh yeah, yours birthday is coming. So is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, we'll have to trade weird commission photos then. Of each other. <laughs> don't you don't want to open that box, buddy? <laughs> no, I've never been commissioned for anything like that. I was saying earlier that I was commissioned uh, to do some uh, some so, or I was asked to do some like band photos like group photos and i'm just terrible at portraits so i i don't do that i've done i've had to do commissions for um for landscape photography which is what i like to do 
but nothing, nothing weird now, unfortunately. I noticed on your Instagram, you have a lot of different styles too. I mean, some of them are a bunch of boxes that are like drawn in these like cool ways. And it kind of has like a three-dimensional look to it. And then some other ones are just completely different. Um, what, uh, what inspires your style with that kind of stuff? Where do you get the ideas? Cause I'm looking at this one in particular that has all of the squares and it's kind of like, uh, uh Oh, are you, are you talking about my painting, the paintings that I've done? Yes. Yeah. Um, how do you start that? Where do you start? Do you just see that in your head? How does that happen? Um, you know, a while ago, I, I kind of wanted to get into drawing because I was um, taking a bre break from drinking, which I'm actually no longer drinking, but, um, but I didn't have anything to do for a while. So I was just like, I, I want to start drawing again. And my wife was like, just draw lines, just keep drawing lines until you get comfortable, comfortable drawing. And then and you develop with the pen, habit. With the pen on. Yeah, Isn't exactly. <laughs> that's, that's where my cocaine habit came from. Yes. That's no, California just, sober. Yeah, yeah. Right? you know, I actually just heard that term recently, California sober. I was like, "What does that That's mean?" They're like, "Well, it's like you don't do your drug of choice, but you uh, you still take pills or whatever." I was like, "Makes sense." I think it's specifically pot, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe it could be or microdosing something. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I just kept drawing drawing lines to kind of get comfortable with uh, with pen on paper, really, and um, and I have always liked like 60s, like mid-century graphic design. For some reason, I've always been drawn to that. So um, I guess that's kind of what I'm a little bit influenced by. Just like the, gra I'm, I'm terrible at drawing people. Again, not a portrait person um, and not great at landscapes either. So I kind of I kind of just gravitate towards like graphic design is, and just with with pen on paper really, or, or painting, you know? Um, but I guess, I guess for the squares that I've, that I've, the, the little squares that I like to draw just probably reminded me from something from a mid-century painting that I saw that I, that I wanted to try and replicate. Right on. Yeah. I want to decorate my whole house in this man. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. We'll do a wallpaper. Yeah. Let's do it in an obnoxious color too. <laughs> teal. It has to be yes. teal. Teal and pink. Awesome. It'll be Miami vice up in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Tamaris would be like, what is this? I'd be like, oh, I guess you don't like art. Yeah. It's, like, it's a California sober Coke den. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was actually, uh, when I was about 17, um, my buddies and I in high school, we would uh, smoke a bunch of weed and then take BART into San Francisco and go to the, uh, the MoMA, uh, Museum of Modern Art out there. And there was like, this is back when, you know, you could get too high and uh you know yeah. so we did and then we went into a sf moma and they had a new exhibit there and like mind you i'm barely keeping it together and we walk into this exhibit and there's like a news crew there because it's a controversial exhibit and so i'm walking through there like higher than giraffe pussy and it's literally underage nudes of like women, like women like sitting on a couch together but they're all under 18 and it was from some canadian photographer and the whole reason the news team was there is because it was like borderline kitty porn because yeah, they were trying to find him when he was on the run <laughs> <laughs> well do you so remember they, the photographer 
I don't, but <laughs> the news crew came up to me and asked if they could interview me. And I was like, <laughs> no, oh, yeah, no. okay. <laughs> and so they go, they're like, so what do you think of this exhibit? And I was like, definitely controversial, but I mean, the guy probably gets away with it because... No, Canadians are just so nice. There was a photographer named Sally Mann who used to do a lot of portraits of her kids uh, nude, and she got a lot of a lot of back a lot of backlash for that. At one was she point. Canadian? I don't think so. No, <laughs> but now that seems that seems like not where you want to be high as has high as a kite. Yeah. yeah, no, it was disturbing. Like if you so made a, if you made a list of worst places to be high, like that. I wouldn't even have thought to put that on there. That'd be in, so, <laughs> so much in, further below the worst. In front of a news camera, microphone in your face, and kitty porn in the background. Yeah, that's not. I got. This I is got, my nightmare. <laughs> I, I was filling up gas once, and I looked like shit. Like I, I just like I just woke up. I looked terrible, and I was like going to get gas and like going back home. And uh, the news, a news crew was at the gas station and they stopped me and they're like, can you, can you be on the news? And it was about like the, them fixing potholes like uh, throughout Oakland. And I was like, okay, sure. And then they interviewed me and they asked me something about potholes. I'm like, yeah, it seems like they're doing a lot of work. They're, they're getting better. Like potholes are getting better. And then the newscaster just looked at me like I was a total fucking idiot. <laughs> like, Thanks. And then they like went over to someone else. And then I went into work and I got a bunch of text messages from people uh, that were like, we saw you on the news. And I walked into work and some guys like, dude, I just saw you on the news, man. So like, I was like all over the news looking like shit, talking about potholes. And that was my claim to fame. That is a slow news day in Oakland. When yeah. Slow news day in Oakland. <laughs> so dovetailing from disturbing art, Luis, <laughs> what, what is someone, what title has come to your store where you're just like, I'm not putting this on the shelf. There's no, there's no, you can't put a gun to my head to put this on the shelf either. Cause it was just, you're like, I don't want my name associated with, you know, buying this comic. <laughs> we, uh, we bought a collection from someone and there was a single issue of Zombie Tramp on there. <laughs> I know that book. <laughs> completely popless. I was going to put it on Facebook auction. I was like, I can't put, I put a, I grabbed a label maker and just typed out NSFW, put it over the bag and board. I put it up for five bucks. Somebody bought it immediately. I was like, I can't account for taste, man. You guys <laughs> like what you like. Oh, Brian, you would, you would love this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, I do. <laughs> Alex, you're familiar with it. Tell us what, what, what is, tell me about this. I mean, it's just a fanboy wet dream, man. It's this, it's, it's what the title says. There, it's really no deeper than that. <laughs> And it's just a slutty zombie that still somehow is drawn pretty attractive, which is always odd to me because I don't know, man, I drew, I grew up with like George Romero and you know, the, the actual zombie movies and there wasn't a hot one in the bunch. So to, <laughs> so to draw like a hot zombie chick, just, I mean, aside from the misogyny of the whole thing, it's just a very bizarre concept, but I'm sure there are a bunch of people who bought it. 
Yeah, this zombie is uh, right up my alley. Well, you know, you know, the, and that's all they needed to see. I think it's I think it's the mental acuity, because I remember I forget what it was, what it, what was on the television. Brian had a date with him once and they said something like they're talking about some staircase. And they said, oh, there's one stair for every day of the year. And she said something like. It was just like some documentaries on the background and his date said something effective like, Oh, so there's like 250 days. And Brian like <laughs> looked over to me, like, you know, like, like <laughs> this girl's my speed. This is why I'm dating her. And, uh, <laughs> just stuck with me that I was like, Oh, okay. Probably. They're probably not dating for the long discussions. <laughs> yeah. I could see him getting into a zombie trip. Like he's like, yeah, like this girl, is right at my mental acuity that I need her to be. Lesser known comics as an artist. Uh, her name's Charlie Ragnarok. Am I pronouncing that right, Mark? Uh, it's a fake name anyway, so you can say okay. it however you want. Well, I will. <laughs> don't say. Um, but Ragnarok. I always thought Jesus. that, like, you know, she draws, like, sexy vampires and stuff, but she draws not, nothing like She this. draws dude-on-dude vampire erotica is what that's true is the, what, yeah so but i thought because her name was charlie i thought i thought she was a dude at first and there's like once again there's something much more comical about a girl drawing dude-on-dude vampire erotica than to than a, than a guy like you know like if 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 yvette said she drew it versus if anthony said she drew he drew it you know you're just like when you're like oh like, what are yeah, you doing with the, those? What are you doing with those pictures, Anthony? Like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of adorable if a vet did it. If Anthony did it, we're like, eh, keep your kids away from him. Is it adorable? <laughs> I might. I mean, <laughs> is it adorable either it. way? Yeah. More adorable. Oh, okay. More adorable. Yeah. Hey, it's yeah. 2021. We could, we could, we could express ourselves any way we we'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, dump on anybody's kink, you know, whatever, let your freak flag fly, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to read that book, but, <laughs> but if you dig it, you know, go for it. We'll send you about, a copy. The more I'm learning about <laughs> comics through this whole uh, process, the more I am realizing that it's not all about superheroes, which is a common misconception, Alex. <laughs> um, but I've been around for a while. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start with uh, Luis on this one. Hmm? What's the most interesting subject matter that you've seen in a comic or a couple interesting ones? Cause I mean, I'm looking at zombie tramp right now. Uh, we've got, <laughs> we've got Mr. Butterchips. Ooh, Ugh. zombie tramp meets Mr. Butterchips and he does his thing with her. Yeah. I'm not sure how that would go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining him using a banana. And we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> Let your imaginations run wild. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Luis, what are uh, some of the most interesting concepts you've seen in uh, comic? It's crossovers, man. It's always crossovers. You got Batman, TMNT. You got Transformers, Back to the Future. You got Transformers, My Little Pony. Uh, there's a guy who... He, we have a guy who picks up all of them. Um, he just likes crossovers, and every week he comes in and picks up Batman, Scooby Doo, and I'm like, "Oh, is this for your nephews?" And he's like, "No, it's for me." I'm like, "Oh, every week I run the same joke, and he gets tired of it, but I just think it's <laughs> funny that he picks up Batman, Scooby Doo." 
So explain to me, how does Batman Scooby-Doo comic work? Like, are they a team or? <laughs> they're, a team. They're, they're all detectives, right? It's a, it's a match made in heaven. We're in the utility belt. Batman probably has Scooby snacks too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. See, I, I think that could work as a cartoon on like Adult Swim or something with like the Scooby yeah. voice and Batman voice. I think that would be pretty funny. <laughs> but as reading it, like, no, definitely don't sign me up for that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our interview with Luis Mendoza, Alex Schumacher and Anthony Onesta. We had a great time. What would you think of it? Yeah, they were awesome. We got some good uh, comic book recommendations. And I think uh, one thing we can all take away is we all need to go to alexschumacherart.com and pick up some Mr. Butterchips merch. You will not be disappointed. It is fantastic. We had a lot of fun. We hope you guys had just as much fun as we did. And hey, we still don't know shit about comics. We'll see you next time. Yvette, say bye. Bye. (laughs) 